Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. Class is in session, about to learn a lesson in the game. We embrace the pain, take it and we make some change. Without scarcity, I don't know where I'll be. It's how we learn and now it's your turn. Let's get Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? How are we doing today? So grateful to have you guys here. Man, it's been quite the week. It's exciting. I was going through some challenging times there. It's funny how we go through these ups and downs, you know, how some weeks are better than others and, you know, how we can bounce back with our mindset. Like, it's crazy how we can almost put ourselves in this like prison with our mindset if we're not careful. And we think that we're stuck in there. But then once you get over that, you look back and it's like, wow, why was I thinking like that? And it's crazy because I was having that kind of moment a couple weeks ago, kind of got back into the groove and now I feel great. And I just feel everything in life just sort of rolls, comes together when you're in a proper mindset, when you're preparing yourself for the day, when you're getting ready with a I know it's hard to always have a positive mindset and I don't mean it in a raw, raw way, but it's our duty as humans to program ourselves the best way we can to do the things we can every single day to get there. And man, it feels good when you get out of that because you know anything's possible and we're all going to do it. It's all going to come at us, but how do we react? So super excited for you guys for today. Get your notepads out. We got Sean Douglas joining us, you guys. I was on his show. He's the host of Life Transformation Radio. It's an online radio show. It's one of the coolest experiences I've had being interviewed on. And yeah, it's like, it's a radio. It's a radio show. And this guy, I'm telling you, you want to get out a pen and paper and get stuff written down because he is full of knowledge. He was in the US, he was in the Air Force. He was a veteran. He went through all kinds of shit growing up. You know, he was, he was born in Detroit, which wasn't, isn't the safest neighborhood, especially back then. And he, he somehow ended up alive. He wasn't in jail, wasn't dead, you know, but he lived a destructive life for a while. And he got in the Air Force. And <laughs> this story is crazy. And this guy is, <laughs> he's got such conviction and so much emotion. I was blown away by his story. Even, even though I had talked to him before, I didn't realize the depth of his story to this and how much he knows. He's, he, you know, his coaching and how how he practices what he preaches and how he's a speaker. And, you know, he's been a TEDx speaker. He's a suicide awareness trainer, author. He's, he helps people with positioning in business. He does all this kind of stuff. And he walks us through a lot of really useful tips and tactics to help you win. So make sure you guys listen to this right to the end. I promise you you're going to love this. And, you know, we're going to hear about his alcohol abuse, his attempt of suicide, like all these really deep things. But... I promise you there's going to be a valuable lesson at the end. So love you guys. If you haven't already, subscribe to this at the end. Leave us a review. Share it with a friend. Let me know what your takeaway was. It it really matters to us at University of Adversity, the whole family, that we know when we're delivering content that means something to you and if it impacts you. Because I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this to impact my listeners and to do this for you guys. So if you want to hear more of something else, If you want to hear less of something, let me know, right? 
let me know. Any feedback is great feedback. So share it with a friend, if you, somebody that needs this. And I promise you, I promise you, you're going to love this episode. So get ready, get your notepad out, sit back, relax. Sean Douglas coming right up. Hey, what's going on, man? Dude, I had to restart the computer, man. Zoom wasn't even working. There we go, man. But it's good. We're good now. Great, great to have you here. Heck yeah, man. How, How you, you been? doing? Really good, man. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. Yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah, right on, man. So what's been happening? You know, just I, like I got slammed in the first two months, man. So many people were launching podcasts, books, wanted some coaching, business. They're like, dude, I gotta, I gotta work with you. I've been wanting to work with you for like two years, and like. So it's been, I've been, I've been slammed yeah. the last two months, man, but it's been good. It's been good. But I probably invoiced close to 10 people, if not 10 people and like three of them out of that, out of that, you know, 10. Yeah. They, they just fell away. They said, never mind. Or one guy got a divorce and was like, sorry, dude, uh. can't pay you anymore. So we stopped doing that. But you know, I had back to back 10 K months, man. So I'm not complaining. Yeah, man, you're doing, you're doing great things out there. Like you're adding so much value and the, the stuff you post and I want everybody to make sure at the end to go check you out. It always has so much value. And I, I really appreciate that because there's a lot of shit bullshit on Facebook. There's a lot of nonsense <laughs> and it's nice to see, right. it's nice to see some, you know, somebody that actually is legit and, and provides value. So thank you, brother. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, man. You're welcome. And you know, Thank your you show, that. Life Transformation Radio, is awesome. I was on there. I had the pleasure of being on it. It's such a great yep. the way you run it. There's something that I've never really experienced before, but it's <laughs> legit, dude. I really, really had a good time with it. That's what a lot of people say. Yeah. They're like, man, like your show is just so like it just has a different feel, a different vibe. Like it's not like the regular <laughs> yeah. like podcast shows. You know, yeah. I'm like, oh well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah, man, it's because it's kind of it's it's like bringing that radio feel back to it, like that that kind of, it's kind of like an old school feeling that sort of went away for a while, and now it's back with like more of a techie style, yeah. you know, whatever that yeah. is and wherever this is going, and and that's why I'm really excited to talk to you too, bro, because you know you're a veteran in this space, you've been mm -hmm. you've been doing it a while, you're a speaker, you know, you're an author, you're all these things. But what I really respect about you as well is what you've gone through to get here. You have, you have a really in-depth backstory. You know, you were in the Air Force, mm -hmm. you went through so many things, alcohol abuse, mm -hmm. the suicide, all that stuff. And we have a few things in common in that way. So I would love for you to be able to kind of take us back to the beginning. Tell us what it was like for you growing up and how did you end up in the Air Force? Yeah, I grew up rough, like really rough. Was raised in an alcohol-dominated domestic violence household. My dad left for the military when I was in kindergarten. My mom remarried when I was in first, end of first grade, so like second grade. And then from second grade on to about seventh grade, yeah. So I was going into seventh grade. And there was a lot of physical abuse, especially fourth and fifth and sixth grade was like the worst. Like that was the sixth grade was the worst, but it was, it was physically abusive, mentally, emotionally abusive. I've watched my mom, you know, punched and hit and knocked down and kicked. And it was just, it was bad. Me and my older sister, you know, we got it the worst when he was done with my mom, he would turn to us, you know? And so it was, you know, my, we had visitation with my dad 
like every other weekend. Like that was it. But we were usually like with my aunts or my uncles or whatever. And, but I got told that my dad has another family, you know, like my dad remarried, I met somebody in the military and, you know, basically told my mom, like, I got another family to worry about. I can't worry about those three kids. I got another family to worry about. So that was pretty much my childhood hanging out with grandparents on my dad's side, hanging out with my aunts and uncles. So my dad would like pick us up and then we'd like, well, I want to stay with them. So we wouldn't even stay with him. We would just stay with my aunts and uncles and spend the night with my aunts and uncles. Where were you growing up? In Detroit, Michigan. Oh, okay. So it's not the safest, not the safest place to be growing up. Yeah. Wow, man. No, not at all. (laughs) Did you, were you playing sports growing up? Did you have an outlet? What was your your circle of friends growing up? So the crazy thing, the crazy thing was that like my, so my uncle and my dad was my baseball, was my little league coach. Okay. Like they were my coaches, you know? And it was like second grade, like first grade, second grade, third grade was like, pretty decent relationship you know with my dad he would you know coach the the little league team and they all had my my dad and my uncles were all on softball teams and stuff like that for work or you know whatever they had a local softball team and i remember the first like two three years that i was in little league you know my dad coached the team with my uncle you know it was mm. awesome mm. And then, I don't know, he like had a family and then we weren't important anymore. And then that abuse and all that and, you know, whatever. But I, I, I played hockey my whole life. Yeah, you did. You know, I was a peewee and then I was, I was little wing because, you know, Detroit Red Wings, you know, oh, then yeah. we were like, you were in the peewees, then you were little wings. And then you were in like the juniors, you know, like middle school, then you're like juniors, then you're in high school. And then you, so, and then I played semi-pro for a while. But, oh, but hockey did. was my life. Yeah, hockey. I was a semi-pro hockey player. That's right. We talked about this a little bit about hockey before. I totally forgot yeah. that you played hockey as well, man. I love hockey, bro. <laughs> that's like that's a real man sport, dude. That's like Detroit is like hardcore hockey too. Hockey town. It's hockey town. How so? How old are you? I think we're pretty much the same age. Are you eighty? Thirty-six. Oh, so you're eighty-three or eighty-four? Yep. 83. Okay. So you grew up in a time when the Red Wings were on fire. Like my childhood later on, my childhood later, late eighties, early nineties was the buildup to the late nineties, early two thousands team. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the, in the building era and then 95, 96, 97, 98, 2001, 2002, 2005. I mean, it was like the buildup. Now the wings suck. They're, they're atrocious. Well, I mean, you got to rebuild on the team and yeah, that's the problem. We got so good and then we traded to the Eastern conference and just got demolished. Yeah. You know, so, but it's whatever. Yeah, man. No, I love hearing that because this is the thing is like a lot of people, we don't realize what sports does for us growing up. I didn't real mm-hmm. I didn't realize it at the time. And now I look back and I think about all the lessons and all the things that I learned that allowed me to be able to be who I am today, right? Some of the tools, the discipline. I mean, you played semi-pro. There's a certain amount of discipline as a human to get there, right? There's a certain amount of things that you have to you have to be good at. You have to be mindful oh, yeah. of right? So talk us through yeah. some of the stuff that you feel that have helped you because you went from playing hockey to the military. How did that all yeah. piece together? So 
So that's a crazy story. After like the abuse stuff, we went and lived. So by the time I was 18, I lived in 11 different houses and attended eight different schools. I attended two, two different schools in the third grade. Wow. So it kind of prepared me for military life. Mm. But the thing was, we lived in my grandparents' basement for a couple of years. And my mom got with somebody else and then that didn't work out. Then we lived somewhere else and then we got our own house and then it was just a hot mess. But I got to high school and I was like, I'm just, I'm just done. Like I'm so emotionally drained from people who are stabbing you in the back and promising you things. And then the guy that my mom was with was like, your dad's a piece of crap. I'm like, well, I know that. Like, like I know this. I, I already know. I need to be reminded every day, you know, and I have a stepson and his dad is pretty much the same way, useless and abandoned him and, you know, whatever. I actually tried to, tried to kidnap him. And then he's like, if you do this, whatever, I'll kill us both. And it was real crazy. So I, I, like, I empathize with him. I knew exactly what he was going through. So I never say your dad's like that. I just try to be there for him and show him what a father is supposed to be like. And he's 17 now. My wife and I got together when he was three. So that was, that's, that's been a, you know, ongoing thing. And I got to high school and I just, I didn't care. Like I was just done. I got a lot of fights and then I got into drugs and then it was, I don't know. I was drinking at 18 and my mom was like, well, you're going to do whatever you're going to do. I'm like, yep, you ain't stopping me. I'll get the alcohol somewhere. You know? So that was pretty much my, my, starting of my downfall mm. and I wasn't doing anything. I graduated high school with like a 1.9, 2.0. Like I got basically, I got D's pretty much on everything. Hardly ever showed up, you know, a couple C's wasn't going to college, no plans to go to college at all. I said, screw it. Just join the military. Like whatever. So I thought about doing that, but I was working at discount tire in Port Huron, Michigan as a warehouse manager. And I was a warehouse manager unloading and loading tires and, you know, trucks. And I was running the warehouse and nine 11 happened and I quit, took off my shirt. We gave it to the boss. I quit and I joined, officially joined the military. I officially joined. Wow. And I left like two months, a month later for wow. basic training. Yeah. Wow. I that left was- two months later. Yeah. November. I left two months later. So I had to get all my medical stuff and get everything together, you know, whatever. And I left two months later for basic training. So we're, we're looking at like end of 2001. Mm-hmm. Joining the military. Joining the military. Mm-hmm. A lot of people probably decided to jump in at that point. Oh, yeah. Of course. So what kind of, what was that like when you got there, man? Like, I, was it that was like nuts. A, <laughs> was it what, what you expected? Like, was it when nah, you went there, uh, were you thinking? Yeah, I, I kind of, yes and no. Yeah. Yeah, like we got hit in basic training when I went to basic training. We had a wow. we had a marine drill instructor. Now you're not supposed to you're not supposed to touch him at all at all. Yeah, but he was a marine. He was a former marine drill instructor. Holy shit, man! And and he would wear like marine gear. Like he would wear like t-shirts. He got marines on. I'm like, are we like? Am I in the wrong basic? And people would always yell at him. I told him he's like, you're not a marine. He's like, what's a marine? Always a marine. He's like, scream at people. And like, it was just crazy. This guy. So it's funny. I went back to basic training in 2009 as a drill instructor. And everybody asked me, like, who is your drill instructor? You know, and there's a bunch of old heads. I was like, oh, it was this guy. And they're like, I knew him. What a crazy dude. I'm like, yeah. So this is what I remember. I like, what do you remember about your flight? Oh, I remember this, remember this, remember this. And they're like, oh, that's right. That did happen. Yeah. Wow. 
wow. And it was like, I was that, that guy that was like in this flight when like all this stuff went down about that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was nuts. So, but yeah, man, I mean, basic training was crazy back then because we were at war. We were, yeah. we were, we were just attacked. Like United States didn't even know what to do, you know? So, <laughs> so they were like gearing up and they're like, we're going to go kill people. And it was like, hoorah, 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 like all that stuff. I went back in 2009. They're like, all right, guys, you're basic training. We're at war. We've been at war for like 10 years. We're training how to kill people. Wow. <laughs> like complete different demeanor. What were kind of, what were the, what were the people like around you at the time joining? Like who were they? I remember, I remember a lot of people from basic training. Yeah. Were they, what kind of people were they? Were they similar backgrounds? From all over. Or no, just from like, all over. Yeah. Now, what an yeah. experience. From, from all over, man. We had a guy, we had a guy, Salazar, who used to shine all of our shoes in basic training because him and his dad owned a shoe shine shop in the subway of New York City. Yeah. So he would just shine all of our shoes and then we would like fold and clean like all of his towels and, and iron his uniform and like, you know, all that stuff, right? Make his bed. But he hooked up like all of our boots because at that time we wore black boots. Now we wear like, you know, ABUs, which are felt. Now, I haven't shined a pair of shoes since like, probably 2004 2005 because yeah. they changed the uniforms we don't we don't shine stuff like that anymore and they're not even give that stuff at basic training anymore they yeah. give you pre-shine shoes like at basic training because god forbid we have these little 18 year olds learn how to do hard work and shine shoes oh yeah so everything's everything's already done like it's the it's the nice gloss polish like they're already done but yeah i mean i'm, I'm still friends with a couple of people that were in my basic training flight they're still in the air force not a lot of them pretty much everybody's gone yeah, but there's a couple of people still around, and we talk kind of time to time. And it was great coming back as a drill instructor, so I could see the other side of it. No doubt. So, and a lot of it made sense. I'm like, so that's why he did what he did, huh? Got it. <laughs> so that was fun. If you had to think about, you had to sum it up as like your number one takeaway from that experience, from what, being from in basic being, training, coming out of that whole thing, from being being in mm. that, you know. The air it was course. it was it was much needed discipline and much needed course correct. At a time yeah. in my life where I was an eighteen year old punk kid, I knew it all. I knew everything. My grandfather, who's a who's a retired army guy from the Korean War, told me I got a chip on my shoulder, and he he can't wait for somebody to knock it off. You know, I mean, I got I got told so many stuff, so much stuff, man. You're your own worst enemy. You stand in your own way of success, and you know, I just. I was like, let's fuck, let's do this. Let's yeah. do it. I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Yeah. And then uh, got into the military and started living a rock star lifestyle. You know, military, we're overseas. My first duty station was England. I'm sure I probably got some kids there, I'm sure. But uh, it was amazing, man. I met so many amazing people, drinking, partying, rock star lifestyle, built my first business. It was, it was the best time ever. See, like, I, I can't go back there because like I could not go back to England and get stationed at that base and try to do the same things because it's, it, it, it just wouldn't be the same. It just so wouldn't be the same. How, how I can't wrap my head around that. How did you guys get to party and drink so much? Like, I, cause in my head, it's like, you guys are not, all not in basic training, not basic training, but once you're in, once you're oh, in the oh, floor dude, of it, really, dude, dude is that where you started to drink quite a bit? Bro. Yeah, bro. We would pregame. We huh. had pregame a half bottle of Jack. That's even before we get to the club. Wow. So you guys party, bro. Like we would work 12 hour shifts Monday through Friday and then let loot a three, a three day weekend. We binged on a three day weekend. Huh. 
just crush it on a three-day weekend. I mean, just drink, drink, drink. Is I mean, dude, like ragers, man. How and then, and then it's back to the fighting force, you know, on Monday morning. Show up, hungover or not. Wow, man. So what how did you how did this all happen, man? Like, how did you do you still drink now or are you completely no, sober? I don't no, drink you quit. How long have you no. been sober? Since 2016. Good for you. After my birthday in July. So it was like August, September 2016. Mm. No, no, no. Yeah, 2016. And then I relapsed in 2017, started drinking again and and all that. But pretty much since, yeah, since 2017, I've been completely sober. It wasn't my fault. There was a wedding. One of my really good friends, you know, yeah. from back in the day. See, when you get around the same people. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Like my wife was like, are you sure you want to hang around him? Like you should. I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. And then we started laughing and we were like, we're not going to be stupid. And then we started telling stories and I was like, I remember that. I know. And then that's when the stories come out and that's when the hearts come out. And then that's when the, let's do a shot. Oh. Like, let's do a shot. Come on. And then, and then you're done. You're done, man. You're, you're done. That's I, how it happens. Exactly how it is. I was off booze for a year <laughs> and then I didn't see some of my friends that I used to drink with much at all for years and then as soon as yep. i'm back in that environment it's like oh it's yep. like i never left yep yep and, it's like and you, yep you never left. crazy too because you think oh i've been yep. off the booze for a while my body's different now as soon as yep. you have it it's like all these old programs come back you're like yeah give it to me yeah yeah you know, it's the crazy, old mannerisms man. yeah the, the irish car bombs start flowing oh. <laughs> right and then you're like let's do it yeah. let's do it you know and then you do some of the old stuff but Dude, it's different when the next day though. Like you don't feel as good as you did before. Yeah. You can't just wake up, drink a beer, and then feel good again. Like your yeah. body hurts, your brain hurts. It, oh, it's man. just it, you can't do that stuff, you know. So and then and then you just look stupid because like oh they're just stupid college kids like whatever oh they're just young young military dudes like whatever. But when you're like mid thirties or even early thirties. Right. And you act like a 22 year old, like it's just not a good look. Yeah. You know, and you're that <laughs> yeah. sloppy drunk dude at like 22. You're like, wow, that dude, man. Wow. Yeah. But when you're like mid 30s, you're like, what the hell is this going to do? I know, right? What the hell is happening right now? Like, who, yeah. who brought this guy? What a, what a joke, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just not a good look, but you want to recreate these moments. That's what yeah. it, I don't, yeah, I that's exactly. I firmly it. believe that alcohol addiction or even drug addiction. Yeah. But mostly alcohol addiction is deeply rooted in the emotional effect that alcohol had on you more than the chemical effect that the alcohol actually has on your body. That's what I think alcohol addiction is. I, I alcohol got addiction. Yeah, man. Alcohol addiction is you trying to recreate moments when you were at the club or you were mm. like overseas somewhere or like big thing in 2004 and 2003 were foam parties. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> right? I just got this like thought in my mind like, oh, man. Right? <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. And you want to go back there and it's like an emotional connection to that moment. Yeah, man. You want to try to recreate the moment. You, you want to try yeah. to pull the, pull the girl out of the bar. Like, Oh, I can get her. Like, yeah, man, let's mm. go shopping. Like, let's do it. Right. And the same stupidity happens, right? Like who are you taking home? Who you got? Oh, I'm going to take her. Yeah, I got her. Okay. Let's go talk to her, you mm. know? And it's just like, it, 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 you just 
can't do that stuff anymore. You know, what yeah. we thought was cool at 22 was like, wow, I probably broke a lot of hearts. Or maybe, maybe I didn't. Maybe the one night stand thing, maybe that's what she wanted to. I have no idea. Yeah. But it was, I mean, now that I'm a lot older, more mature, I would, I, there's no way I could do that. I would feel guilty. Like, I don't know. Like a lot of alcohol involved. Was that consensual? Was it not consensual? Like, I don't know. Was that, yeah. That was kind of fine line. Then. But at the time when you're mm. like 20s, you're like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Right. So there's a lot of like disregard, especially when you're, when you're on alcohol, man, like there's a lot of disregard for safety, manners, good order of discipline. <laughs> yeah, like, man. I got in a lot of bar fights. I mean, it's just, it was, it was a lifestyle, man. Yeah. Where, what was the moment where that kind of smacked you in the face? Cause I know you, you hit some rock bottoms. I did too. I hit a point mm -hmm. where when I, you know, we lost my brother when I was in probably the lowest part of my life in drinking and, you know, to suicide as you, you know, and you had some, you know, troubles in that area as well. You know, walk yeah. us through, man. I know it's tough to talk about some of those old times, but, you know, walk us through that low point, man. Yeah. So that's, that's, this is great, man. 2004, I created a, uh, an entertainment company called Fresh Entertainment. Mm. and so so my last name being douglas everybody called me dougie or dougie fresh so there was an mc doug e fresh mine was just dougie like d-o-u-g-y like dougie fresh so then i was dj dougie fresh and then we created a business called fresh entertainment because it was an entertainment company and then it just made sense so we created one one of a kind once in a lifetime events so someone's like, well, we need audio. And we, well, we don't want just to provide audio for your event. We want to create a, spec a spectacular moment, a spectacle, something that the audience will never forget. So we would do the lighting and the sounds and the way that we introduced the speakers onto the stage. And it was like, and we do that for birthdays. We, I mean, this is what we did. We created moments. Yeah. And, and so we would, we would DJ and provide audio to the wedding reception. We would do bars, clubs, high school dances, middle school dances, seminars for like 10 grand. Somebody pay us a conference all day, two day conference, like 10 grand, you know? And so we built that business, me, three other DJs. So it was four DJs, a videographer, a photographer. And then we had a systems, like an AV guy. Mm. Like, I mean, I knew how to do it, but it was, he would, this was the system expert, right? We built that business to over 600K. I think it was like 650, 660, something like that. It was six, over 600K. And it was like six or seven of us. The other guy was kind of a freelancer, you know, come and go as he pleased. It's like six or seven people kind of rotating in, right? And so all the money that we made went to the business, right? And then we, we paid ourselves an income and all that stuff. I would be in a bar and I would run up a like, you know, two, $300 bar tab. I'd be buying the whole bar drinks, figuring out who I could take home from the bar. I mean, I ran that business like a personal dating service. Like I was, it was all about me. Mm. This was me, right? So I'm the DJ, I'm the focal point. Everybody look at me. I'm playing music, shake it, dance, do what you got to do. Yep, taking you home, let's go, right? Like I was the rock star. I wanted to be the, the Billy Idol, the Bon Jovi, Kiss, Queen. You know, like I wanted to be the rock star of the show. Mm. I wanted to be the front man. It was all yep. about me and my ego way took over. And then 
I started doing, making bad business decisions, started buying a whole bunch of stuff, started spending money. And then my house burned down because of a huge party that I threw. Oh, wow. uh, some equipment got destroyed. Yeah, it was bad. And uh, they bought me out of my, of my share because we each had like a stake in the company. So they basically hired some lawyers and they bought me out and pushed me out of the company. And I lost that. I got married in 2007 and then we got divorced in 2008. And then 2008, I lost the, I lost the business. I lost my wife, lost the kids. That, I mean, it was the, I lost everything. And wow. then I showed up to work drunk and got charged with an article 112 of the UCMJ, which is the uniform code of military justice. And I got charged with an article 112 drunk on duty, which carries jail time or, uh, or so you can get a, a big fine, like 10 grand, wow. or you can go to jail for three months or you can get hard labor. So there's some things that the military could do to you. You could be sentenced to hard labor or you could be sentenced to forfeiture of pay or you could be, I mean, there's a couple of things they could do. So I was looking at getting immediately removed from the military. Yeah. Immediately just kicked out. Done. Hmm. So I would rather have had the hard labor because I mean, you go to jail, you're pretty much career over. But anyways, yeah. I'm like, what about extra duty? What about hard labor? Whatever. I can still stay in. I can bounce back. They were like, nope, you're done. Bye. You're getting kicked out. Yeah. So I was battling that. Luckily, I had a command that that took notice that like I'm not a bad guy. Like I just made stupid decisions, and I needed mentoring, and you know, never really grew up with a with a stable household or or a dad that taught me stuff. So they took pity on me, I guess, and I got to stay in. I in 2008 tried to take my life. I put a gun in my mouth and I and I tried to kill myself. But there was a lot of people that were looking after me at the time because at, at that wow. point I was like, wow, I'm being babysat. Wow. So they wanted me to get counseling. And then because the counsel, like, I just, I just, I was the guy that, and, and I kind of still am kind of, but I'm the guy that's like, we don't talk about our feelings. Like whatever I'm thinking of feelings, my business, like I would bury it and bury it and bury it. I would never talk about my problems ever. Mm. And I put a smile on my face and I wanted everything to be okay. Yeah. And in my world, if I wasn't talking about it, then everything was okay. So I had just avoided any hard conversation that I ever had. I went through relationships like crazy. Like, let's, let, let's talk deep. I'm like, uh, no, I'm breaking up with you. Bye. Like any deep conversation, it, it was all superficial. Hmm. No attachments, all superficial. But it stemmed from, you know, my, my dad leaving, my stepdad being abusive, moving and leaving friends. Like I had no emotional connections at all after like in high school. And even I had no emotional connections. Hmm. I would not form emotional bonds with anybody. Wow. Did you, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that was sort of the, the symbol of being tough as well was keep your mouth shut. That's strength, yep. right? Yep. And now it's more about being vulnerable. It's about, you know, expressing that truth because that's kind of where the healing starts, right? And I've, I've talked about that in my own life. The more I share my story, the better I start, the more I start to heal. And the more it's like, right. oh, all right, I can actually help people with this. You know, when did that change for you? Because, dude, telling that story, you got a powerful fucking story, dude. Like, it's crazy. And to be able to get out of that, just from, to be able to end up where you are from where the kind of upbringing you had is a miracle. Like, so many people would end up in jail or dead with a backstory right. like that. My mom told me that whether I joined the military or not, that I would probably either be dead from deploying or dead from doing something stupid or be in prison. 
She goes, it doesn't matter what you do. Like, you're probably going to wind up dead or in prison. How did you get your shit together, man? Like, how, where, where was the thing that, <laughs> I mean, like, you got it. Like, there, what was the thing that, that told, that kind of switched this all for you or in a different So, way? I mean, I, dude, from 2004 to 2006, I hung out with some, with, I would always hang out with people that were worse off than me, okay. like in life, because like I, because I suck so bad. Like, I don't want to be the worst guy in the room. So yeah. I try to make myself the best guy in the room by lowering my standards. Yeah. I'd have house parties and people would be snorting, snorting coke off my bathroom sink. Like, yeah. these are the guys that I hung around with. Yeah. You know, and, and they, were, they were people in the biker areas, right? Yeah. People in the car clubs. Not the safest crew. Street racers, right? Like, I was the Fast and Furious. We were the Fast and Furious crew, right? We were the hard-charging, don't mess with us, we'll fight anybody. You know, I mean, the only reason I couldn't do drugs is because I was in the military. I was I probably would have done it. Yeah. Just because, I mean, that's just me. I told my mom, I said later on in my life, you know, I told her, I was like, I either want to be a cop or a one percenter. I think in my life, I would love to be a cop, but not a cop, like FBI or like CIA or like something like that. Right. Yeah. Or a one percenter. Yeah. She's like, that's, that's wait, why? Wait, that's way extreme. Why? Cause I'm either going to be obsessed with the law or obsessed with breaking it. Like I could, I could be on the other side. Mm. I'd be, I'd be pretty calm, you know? So what happened was after that incident, they got me the help. They got me therapy and I was, I was rehabbing and I quit smoking, quit drinking and all this stuff. Like the, just kind of started to go away. I wasn't hanging out with those people. I was, I got to take all my, all my weapons got taken away. I had a bunch of weapons, AR-15s and some 9 mils and 45s and 357 Magnum and knives and swords. And like, I mean, I had everything. Like, I had everything, you know, a couple high-powered rifles and, you wow. know, sniper rifles and some things. I mean, you know, military, like I have probably 13 guns, you know, and I had to stay at my supervisor's house to be babysat. Like we went to work together. We came home together. We sat on the couch and watched TV together with him and his wife. They didn't have any kids. He was divorced and, you know, had kids somewhere else or whatever. But I literally stayed at my supervisor's house for like a month. Mm. And it was like, on, like, I couldn't go anywhere. Literally was not allowed to go anywhere. They said, you have a choice. Do this or you're getting kicked out. I'm like, yeah. shit, dude. So I was like, he picked me up and taking me to my therapy appointment. I mean, it's just, it, he told me, it's like, it's just shitty as him as it is for me. You know, it's like, I have to babysit yeah. a man. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. So, after a month, they were like, okay, you've done everything we said. You can go back home now. So, you know. What I, year I, are we looking at here? Let's, let's do 2009. Okay. Yep. So, so got all my guns taken away, end of December 2008. And 2009, I'm in therapy and doing everything I'm supposed to and all this other stuff. And then in February, you know, I go back home and I'm like, I don't know. And kind of like not drink. And I'm getting periodically checked up on, you know, whatever. And then they said, hey, our squadron is closing down. What do you guys want to do? I'm like, oh, man. Like, where, where would I go? Like, this is crazy. Where would I go? Said, we should, we should go be a drill instructor. Let's go be a drill instructor. Let's do that. Because apparently I have a powerful testimony because I overcame alcohol and getting kicked out and all this other stuff that they found out. Yeah. Right? So they said, you should go and be a drill instructor. Like, you'd be perfect for that. So... In September of 2009, I went to go be a drill instructor for Air Force Basic Training. And that was the moment. 
when I became an MTI, military training instructor, a drill instructor, that I was re-blued, as they call it, because our blue, our, our color in the Air Force is blue. I was re-blued. It was like going through basic training all over again. I had to be disciplined. I had to do it. Couldn't drink, right? Couldn't drink, couldn't uh, smoke in. Like you went, I mean, I would wake up at four o'clock to go to work at, well, 3.30, 3.45, to go to work at four o'clock to do inspections and stuff before the trainees woke up. 4.30 was roll call. 4.45, trainees wake up. 4.50 in the hallway. 4.55, you fall out to PT. You better be formed up by five o'clock because at 5.05, PT starts. Like you form up, right? And yeah. then boom, you're marching over. 5.05, PT starts. What's PT? 5.05. PT's uh, what? Physical training. Oh, okay, okay. So we're out on the PT pad in PT gear, like shorts and t-shirt, like up, down, up, down, pushing, you know, mm -hmm. like running, do it at 5.05. So by the time I would leave the squadron after, after the day, it would be about 7.30, so like 19.30, maybe 20 hundred. I'm up every day at 3.30 to get dressed and go to work, to come home at 7.30, 8 o'clock to eat something because I really didn't eat throughout the day, to eat something, say hi to the wife and kids, because we got back together, and then go to bed at like 11 to get four hours of sleep to wake up to go back to work. Mm. That, that was my life for four years. <laughs> so that it was crazy. That would have had a massive effect on you. Like, I didn't have time for stupidity. I was either at work or I was sleeping. So the last year... Or so I took a job as a war skills instructor. I taught self-aid and buddy care. I taught CPR. I taught rifle fighting techniques. I taught IED, which are improvised explosive devices. I taught IED identifications. I taught them how to build the IEDs. We taught them chemical attacks, how to fire the weapon, how to take it apart, clean it, basically tear down and rebuild of your entire weapon. Uh, we were for a week out in the field playing war games for an entire week. And that was my pretty much the last year that I was there. And then I left there in January of 2013. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because you rarely get to talk to people about, about, you know, that lifestyle. You know, I had um, Marcus Aurelius Anderson on. And he, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, I he's love an Marcus. awesome dude, man. Such an awesome dude. Yeah. And his yeah. story is crazy too. And yeah. It's rare that you get to get the insight into the lifestyle. And what I find really, really awesome is that, so you leave there, you have this discipline. I mean, that can't help but be massively effective in pursuing anything else you do. Right? Oh, 100%. Because everybody lacks discipline. I lack it every single day. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that I feel for myself that I need to improve. Because it's the littlest, simplest things right. that you, if you don't do them, those things compound on each other. Yep. That's what builds your confidence. And that's what keeps the promises with yourself, right? And yep. sometimes I'm like, man, like, I wish I, wish I would have had more discipline before. I wish I would have learned that. But now it's kind of up to me to do it. And being work, when you work for yourself, there's no boss telling you when to get up, how to you know, make right. all these different things that you have to do yourself. Yep. So talk us through yep. some of the stuff now that you took from that military background into what you're doing now. Dude, schedule everything. 
Yeah. So, so remember I said 4 a.m. We're doing inspections. Like we're checking on like, did they do their night displays? Did they hang yeah. their uniform up in the fashion that we told them to? Right. And then after they come back from PT, which is about, which is about 50 minutes, 50 ish. Right. So I remember going into, going into chow at like, you know, six Oh five, you know, but when we, so on Friday night or Saturday afternoon, the weekly schedule comes out like Friday, usually Friday, the schedule coming out or sometimes like Saturday morning. So Friday, the weekly schedule come up for the next week. You immediately grab it, put it in your book and start scheduling all your appointments. Right? So like you have career guidance at 1400. Okay. What do I need for career guidance? Okay. Schedule 14, 1400. I need driver's license, social security cards, identification. And you're like making notes, right? I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. So you have everything, you have everything you need. Right? So what happens is that schedule is what you do for the week. 10 years later, I sit down every Sunday and I schedule every single hour of my day, every single week on Sunday night. I sit down. I'm like, what's my content? I have to post content four times a day, Monday through Friday. What's going to be my content? And I write all my content out for the week. And then I go through my schedule. I'm like, what do I have for this week? Oh, I've got Lance's podcast at, at 1600 Eastern time. Got it. What do I need for that? Done. Right. Do I need to send a follow-up email the day before? Do I need to send a follow-up email like an hour prior? Like what, like what's the, you know what I mean? Like what's, the steps, right? Most people fail in business because they have no discipline. They have no accountability and they don't have a system. If we went through basic training was like, well, I know we need to teach like clothing displays and I know we need to teach you how to fold your stuff, but uh, we'll probably do that like later. Like, I don't know. We'll probably get to it. Like, no, it's scheduled. Yeah. Everything we teach is in set is in like literally it's, it, it tells you teach right face teach facing movements, teach marching, teach clothing, teach this, teach this. And it's all in a set. You have to teach this before you can teach two, before you can teach three, before you can teach four. Like you have to do them in, in series, in step. Wow. Otherwise it doesn't make any sense. So your so, Sundays, your Sundays must be pretty, like a pretty big day then. Cause you got to go through everything and get prepped. No, not really. So, you know, wake up, hang out with the family, breakfast, you know, all that stuff. We'll go throughout our day. We'll eat dinner like kind of early, like 5.30, 6 o'clock-ish. We'll eat dinner and then like 8, 8.30, like, hey, kids, go take a shower, go do your thing, you know, whatever, and get ready for bed. So like 8, 8.30, I'm, I'm cranking it out, mm-hmm. right? Like, what am I going to say? I'll say this. I'll say this. Oh, that's a good one right there. I'll put that done. Okay, content's created. Four posts. One's going to be a video. One's going to be a picture. One's going to be like, I detail all that. Wow. And then I look at my schedule. It takes me about an hour to create content for like an entire week. And then I look and I'm like, okay, well, on Monday, I've got this. On Tuesday, I've got this podcast. On Thursday, I have a coaching client. What do I need to do to prep for that? Okay, I need to send out an email. I need to do this. And then we're going to talk about this one thing. And then I'm going to create this one thing. So, okay, cool. So I'm doing a lot of the prep work for the week. And then I'm in bed, you know, 11 o'clock, 11 p.m. or so, 11.30 maybe. Right. And then Monday morning, I'm ready to go. Man, that is so valuable because I guarantee that most don't do that. No, no. I teach people how to do this. 
This is awesome, dude, because it's usually just the basic shit that people miss that messes up their whole. Oh, hundred percent. What 100%. other things other than okay? So you're 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 super strict with your scheduling, like to the hour or half an hour or 15? hour. Okay, to the hour. Hour and half hour. For what? example. Yeah. For example. Yeah. If so, if I if if I was like, hey, how long is this podcast going to take? I'm like thirty minutes. I'm like, cool, thirty minutes. I'm gonna hold you to it. Yeah. Like, all right, it's four thirty. Time to go. Mm. Mm. Right. But if I don't have, like, I always block an hour out. Yeah. So for example, if I'm like, oh, I have a coaching client and it only got 30 minutes, it's 30 minutes. Yeah. What am I going to do for those remaining 30 minutes? Mm-hmm. There's no white space allowed on your calendar from the t- time you wake up to the, t- dude, let me, okay. I'm so, so disciplined in my schedule. It's based on when I'm going to bed of when my schedule starts. I'm already, I'm already scheduling what time I'm going to sleep the night prior. Wow. Like I have a podcast at eight o'clock in the morning. What time should I wake up? Probably should be up by 7 a.m. Okay. So if I wake up at six, take a shower, that's like 30 minutes for shower, teeth brush, clothes, you know, clean up, you know, whatever. So it's like 30 minutes. Okay. So six, six thirty, six thirty to seven, probably eat breakfast, whatever. So I'm ready to go. Okay. Seven, seven. I'll probably send out some emails, probably do the, but I'm, I'm speculating and I'm writing it down. I'll probably do this. Okay. What do I got to do? boom emails done okay 8 a.m is the podcast and then at 9 what am i doing at 9 at 10 at 11 at 12 whatever so the night before if i'm gonna get eight hours of sleep and i'm gonna wake up at six i have to be in bed by 10 so i know because i want eight hours of sleep to to prep myself to get in the shower and and get a podcast going or whatever at eight I have to work myself backwards and then I, I have to be in bed by 10 if I want eight hours of sleep, which if I go to bed at 10, I'm probably going to fall asleep by like 10, 15, 10, 20, 10, 30. So really it's like seven, seven and a half. So as long as I'm in bed and I'm asleep before 11, I'm going to get seven hours of sleep and my body's going to rock that podcast. Wow. That's how disciplined and in depth my schedule goes. What else, what other key factors like that, that you, you notice that people need attention with or need help with? that are that are lacking in their lives like entrepreneurs accountability okay number two accountability number one rule of success schedule everything yeah number one rule of success i actually have i actually have a my 10 rules yeah but i i call the so so basically it's my rules of engagement my roes so i have 10 roes that everybody should be doing every single day. And I say should, but you can't really should all over people. However, comma, you definitely should be having these 10, okay? Number one rule of success is to schedule everything, including your why. Schedule your why. Why are you doing it? You absolutely have to have a why for what you do. And the schedule is reflecting of your why. If you want to see what people care about, look at their bank account and look at their calendar. Time and money are two things that people willingly never give up, ever. So if you, you want to see what somebody values, Look at their calendar and what they spend time on and look at their bank account, what they spend money on. If anybody listening to this podcast right now wants to give me 50 bucks, that would be incredible. Mm. I'll give you a PayPal link, but nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to give me 50 bucks because it doesn't mean anything to them. But $50 to a starving child could mean a lot to you, right? Mm. It's the why behind everything. So schedule everything, even your why. Number two is to have gratitude every single day. You must count three blessings every single day. That's gratitude. Gratitude is scientifically linked to lowering your anxiety, stress, and depression. You cannot be hateful and you cannot love somebody at the same time. You cannot be depressed and happy at the same time. And gratitude will allow you to feel that love 
and feel thankful and not be depressed and not be anxious and not be hateful. Anxiety, stress, and depression are gone when you are in gratitude. Gone. Because love and hate can occupy the same space. Number three, you must have core values. What are the three reasons why you do what you do? The military's core values for the Air Force is integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all you do. You must have core values to live by. This is your moral compass. Three things that you can, three things that basically you will never do or that you will always do. It's your Mm. core values. When I sign off of my show, it is, I I end my show by saying, live your brand. Find find out in life your non-negotiables. Living your brand means to live out the core values that you hold deep in your heart. And I call that living your brand. Your brand is your core values. Everybody's like, oh, got to build a brand, got to build a personal brand, got to build. What kind of brand? What is a brand? Everybody has their brand of car, their brand of alcohol, their brand of cigarettes, their brand of soda, their brand of food, their brand. Everybody has a brand, brand of clothing, brand of shoes. Why? Nobody buys Nike because Nike is so socially responsible. They give to the oceans. No, it's a status, right? If I buy Nike or I buy Ferrari or I buy Lamborghini or a Rolex, it's because of status, core values. Number four, simplify the process. You must have a simplified process that you must do every day that will allow you to make money. They're called DPAs, dollar producing activities. You must have DPAs every day that you concentrate on that bring in revenue. Why do you think I give everything away for free? That's a DPA. This podcast could be a DPA. I give on the podcast because I want to. Somebody listening to me on a podcast goes, you know what? I like Sean. I might want to coach with him. I might want to get some more information from him. (laughs) Definitely people will think that, bro. You got, man, yeah. So number five is you must create a board of directors for your life. Every major company and every major CEO has a board of directors. These are the people that guide and mentor the CEO on the direction of the company. He makes no decision without consulting the board of directors first. Everybody has five areas of life that they have in common. They are finances and wealth, health, personal relationships, professional Mm -hmm. development, which is a business or whatever, and spirituality, which has nothing to do with religion. Spirituality is your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that are driving your reactions and decisions. Yeah. Religion is the exorcism of those thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that are driving your decisions. Yeah. Let me say that one more time. Spirituality is your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that drive all of your reactions and all of your decisions. Religion is how you exercise those thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Because you can be spiritual, but you ain't got to be religious. Very true. Just saying. Yeah. Number six is balance your thinking. You must have meditation or something that balances your thinking. If you have an uncharacteristic moment, you must balance your thinking. And you balance your thinking by knowing how you, you and I, because of our past, we must balance our thinking by not putting ourselves into a situation where alcohol will be prevalent. And that type of behavior will be prevalent. We must balance our thinking. Man, I really want to drink. It's negative. How do I balance it? How do I become positive? You know, I've been sober for, for three years, man. And, and I just, I cannot do that to myself. I cannot do that to my wife. I cannot do that to my kids. Again, core values, core values. So because of my core values, I cannot subject my, my wife and my kids to my drinking. Mm-hmm. See how they all kind of tie together? My why, my success, that's not scheduled. 
my drinking is not scheduled. So therefore I don't do it. So discipline. See what I'm getting at? See how these all tie together? Yeah, man. Okay. Which leads me to number seven, capitalize on your strengths. What is your strength? Is it scheduling? Is it discipline? What is it? Capitalize on your strengths. Everybody has strengths. Nobody has weaknesses. I believe that. I'm not going to play in the NFL. That's not a strength of mine. But maybe that's because I haven't practiced. I'm not a great golfer. I haven't practiced. I mean, I get, like my handicap is like a 13. So, I mean, it's not bad, but I haven't practiced a whole lot. I guarantee if I practice every day, I could probably make the PGA Tour. Yeah. People think they have a weakness. It's not a weakness. It's something that you haven't done it. Because you haven't done it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Which brings me to the next one is daily habits. Practice something daily. Daily gratitude habit. Number number, number two was, was gratitude, right? Yeah. One of those daily habits for number eight needs to be gratitude. Yeah. So number eight, number two, go hand in hand. Daily habits. Also, the number one rule of success is to schedule everything. Get into the habit of scheduling your success. Yeah. Number nine is mindfulness, which could be a daily habit. Establish a daily habit. Mindfulness. Number eight and nine. Your daily habit is mindfulness. Every day for five minutes, close your eyes and go deep inside your mind. It's not hard. Your mind will start playing a video. I My meditation practice is me five minutes every day. Yeah. Me five minutes walking into a movie theater. And when I walk into a movie theater, I'm the only one in the theater and I want to know what's on the screen. I sit in the front row and I watch the screen. What's on the screen? What's playing on the screen? And I force myself to play something. And then I'm remembering what is on the screen. It might be my dad. It might be my, my work. It might be my business. It might be my podcast. It might be my wife and kids. What, what is on the screen? What am I watching? What is the movie of my life playing? Then I write it down. What did I see? Did I see Jesus on a cross? Did I see Rocky Balboa? Did I see soda cans all over the floor? Like, what did I see? Could be wow. anything. Could be me driving. What am I seeing? And then I put a why to it. Why did I see that? Huh. I, I, I put a why to it. Why did I see that? Yeah. You must become a master of meaning. You have to become a master of meaning. Everything has meaning. It's just you are the one who gives the meaning to it. You are. If you walk into a movie theater and you see a bad relationship taking, taking shape, and you're like, wow, this is a really bad relationship. Why is that there? Is it because maybe you don't need to be in the relationship? Or is it because you need to fix that relationship to remain in that relationship? I don't know. You're the one that decides. You become a master of meaning. There's nothing on your schedule that, that isn't scheduled that you're not doing. And there is nothing in life that is happening mm. that isn't because of a reason. Nothing. Just, well, that was kind of weird. Didn't see that coming. Plan for it. Plan for failure. I, I, I literally schedule failure into my schedule. I want to fail because that's where the most meaning happens. And the most learning happens is in the failure. Yeah. When I launch, when I launch a book, when I launch a podcast, I, a business, I want it to fail epically. I want people to laugh at me. Number one, it's all upside from there because everybody thinks that you suck shit. Number two is because <laughs> I learned what not to do in the next business I'm going to launch. Right. So I fail hard and fast. Man, that's... And then number 10, make it happen no matter what. I don't make excuses. I make results. You make it happen no matter what. Make what happen? Your, your, your long-term... Make it happen. Your goal? Make it happen. Make it happen. (laughs) I don't know. What's a long-term goal for you? Make it happen. Yeah. Man, you know what I really should do? I should really start that book. Make it happen. Rule number 10. Make it happen. You know what I really should do? I should really start a second podcast. Make it happen. As soon as you say, you know what I should do? Make it happen. There There is no excuse on this planet. So you make it happen no matter what. 
you either make excuses why it didn't happen or you make it happen. That's, you're still going to make it happen. So either you make excuses or you make results. Yeah. That's it, man. Got to be disciplined. You got to be hard-headed. That's it. There, there's a couple I just want to, we'll, we'll wrap up here right away. Yeah, I, man. I want to, there's a couple I just want to touch on just for the listeners. The board of directors of your life. Yep. Now, does that mean finding somebody that's good at sales and kind of modeling the way they do it? Like, let's say you like somebody in sales or like follow like a Tony Robbins. What do you mean by board of directors of your life? Like, is that like an accountability group? Is that like a mastermind group? Yes to all. Yes to okay. all. Okay. So we all have five areas of our life that we all have in common, right? Yeah. So you put two to three people in each of those areas. And remember what you said before, there's a lot of stupid shit on the internet, right? Yeah. There's a lot of crap on Facebook. Yeah. Right? Lots. Why am I going to go to somebody on Facebook? I call them Facebookpreneurs. That's what I call them. Mm. Facebookpreneurs. They don't have a clue what they're doing. Yeah. But they say that they do. Do you know how many people I know call themselves amazing entrepreneurs but have a nine-to-five job that they don't tell anybody about? Do you even realize how many people do that? A lot. Yeah. A lot. A lot of people. They're like, oh, I'm this awesome entrepreneur and I got that, blah, 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 blah. And then guess what? Oh, by the way, they got a nine-to-five job that they didn't even tell you about. Mm. A lot of people. I know a guy right now who lives in California who's always like, yeah, I built this business and I'm making all this money and blah, 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 blah. No, he's not. He has a FedEx job. He works for FedEx, dropping off packages to businesses. Hmm. And then once he's there, he uses FedEx. Oh, by the way, I have this business and then hands out business cards, which I think is illegal, but anyway. Yeah. But that's what he does. <laughs> I swear to God, he works at FedEx. He works at FedEx as a, like, as a job. Yeah. It's, a lot of, it's a lot nuts. Of misleading. A lot of stuff is misleading people. 100%. So what you do is you don't do that, <laughs> obviously, but you put two to three people in that area. If I need marriage advice, I'm not going to go to my mom who's been divorced three or four times. That's, I'm not doing that. Right. So whoever, like if I want to be a millionaire, then somebody on my board of directors better be a millionaire. Why would I go to somebody yeah. to figure out how to make a million dollars? Do you have any time? Lance, come on. You need to join my program, dude, because I teach people how to make multiple eight figures. Yeah. Like I'll teach you how to make multiple eight figures. I have never, ever, ever made a million dollars. Not I've made 650 or 60, whatever. That's the most I've ever made in one business over the course of a lifetime. I've made a million dollars, but I don't have anything to show for it. I ain't got a million dollars in the bank. I ain't got Ferrari Testarossa. Like in the, like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I don't yeah. have a big house. Like I don't, yeah. I'm a happy thousandaire. Yeah. I'm straight up. Mm. You know how many people create eight figure programs that have never even seen a hundred K. Yeah, that bothers me. Yeah, they're going to teach man. you how to make seven figures, eight figures. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's terrible, man. It's I guess, ridiculous. Yeah, man. We're, we're living in such, a, such an interesting time, but yet there's, it's an overload of information. You got to really be smart with yep. where you get your information from. For sure. So you put two to three people <laughs> yeah. in relationships, in personal professional development, right? These are the people that... If you want to make six figures, then find somebody who's making six figures and doing what you want to do at the level that you want to do it at and put them on your board of directors and only follow them. If that's Gary Vaynerchuk, if that's Lance, if that's me, then you put them on your board of directors and you only follow them. That's awesome. And that will clear up the confusion. There's a lot of people that I'm friends with. They're like, what do you think of my content? Bro, I don't follow your content, man. I, I, don't, I don't follow it. Whoa. Why wouldn't you, this is the conversation I have with people. Why wouldn't you follow my content? I mean, it's not bad. It's just, I don't consider you that 
yeah. high of an influencer that like I love like, it, I follow, like like I listen to your podcast. I absolutely like I subscribe to your podcast. Let's do it all the time. I appreciate it, man. You know, so yeah, yours is awesome too, man. So thank you. So so in inside of the podcast space, like you're one of the people that I follow because I love what you're doing. Yeah, likewise, man. You know, so but there's people that like do you listen to my pod like know how to listen to your podcast. Well, come on, man, we're friends. But but yeah. you're not operating at the level that I want to operate at. Why would I surround myself with lower level people and, and, and consume lower level content when I'm just, I'm just not, that's not yeah. what I'm going to do. Yeah. Right. So no, Tony Robbins good. is not going to consume Sean Douglas's content. It's just not going to happen. Right. Yeah. Tony Robbins or Gary Vaynerchuk is be like, you know what? That Sean Douglas guy, I got to follow him. He's doing great. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Not yet. So. Not yet. Not, <laughs> not yet. Bro, yeah. the way you speak, though, the, the conviction you have, there's no doubt that you'll be at those levels. You're just not. Oh, sure. You're just, It'll happen. It's just you're at that spot of the journey right now. You yeah. will be there, bro. 100%. Oh, yeah. I, I, can I can guarantee that. that. I can guarantee that. A lot of us right now that are doing what we're doing five years from now, it's going to be a whole different ball game, man. Like, yep. You know? Absolutely. Dude, I, I want to respect your time here and... I really want to make sure everybody can find out where to find you. And if they want to work with you, where's the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah. So my website is the success core, C O R P S the success core.com. And you can also check out my affirmation and empowerment clothing line called L Y B, which stands for live your brand L Y B clothing, Inc dot com lyb clothing inc.com you can check out my clothing line it's an affirmation and empowerment clothing line and one of the shirts says i don't make excuses i make results and you can find me on facebook instagram linkedin and tiktok and youtube i'm everywhere let's have a conversation i offer free 30 minute no obligation strategy calls you're not obligated to do anything that i say or even get upsold into anything. I just love having conversations with people. I have a 30-minute conversation. We go over some strategies, and I say, was this beneficial to you? If you say yes, then I say, would you want to continue this? Exact same, same session that we just did. If you say yes, and I'm like, I'd love for you to join my coaching program. But you're at no obligation. You're like, nope, I'm good. Like, okay, thanks. And then we hang yeah. up the phone, and yeah. then that's it. Yeah, man. For the value people are going to get out of this conversation and what, what you're giving about the 10 steps, man, like, that's gold. That's dis the discipline in each of those steps. And they all tie into each other. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody has it within them. You know, you're just giving them the, the tools to get what they already have. Everybody has the success inside of them. This, it needs to be rediscovered sometimes. You need to get those tools from people that have, you know, been successful and built discipline so that you can, you know, and that's the thing about learning from somebody that actually has a disciplined life and has success from it is great yep. because- you, you know, being in the, being in that environment for so long, you, you, you eat, breathe and sleep it. So it's great, man. And I know that discipline is a huge factor for people. So dude, thank you so much for sharing all that. Yeah. You're welcome, man. Absolutely honored to be on your show, my friend. Yeah, man. Thank you. And I always end with what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? One lesson that adversity has taught me is to not be afraid of it, to embrace it, to want it, to welcome that adversity, my friend, welcome. I'm getting, I'm, I'm literally getting goosebumps. I'm getting chills right now. Welcome that adversity. Yeah. Like wake up every day and say, how can I fail today? Not like big, like you don't want to get a divorce, but like, <laughs> or like wreck your car. Right. But like, like what is that adversity that's going to come today that I can overcome? Do you know how powerful that is that you have the ability to overcome anything? 
My message is that you have the power to say, this is not how my story ends. You have the ability to turn the page and write a new chapter. Start writing your success story today. Today is the day that you make a decision. Today is the day that you overcome that adversity because you have the power to do it. Man, that's gold. Man, thank you so much, brother. This was, this was awesome. <laughs> thank you, man. <laughs> All right, thank everybody. You. Make sure to check him out. He's the man. He's doing some great things. So much conviction in his voice. And man, I just, I truly, truly appreciate it. Sean Douglas, everybody. Thank you, fam. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I really enjoyed recording that with, with Sean. And yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to go back and listen to that because I have notes myself, but I'll have to go listen to it because he's got some really valuable stuff. And as a coach, how, how can you not learn from that? Like that, he just gave you free value, free, free value to really be able to change your life in that, in that short period of time. So make sure to check him out. All his information is in the show notes. Share this with a friend, subscribe, leave us a review, whatever you can to do, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. We will catch you next time.